0: Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris with you here for another week. Today we do something a little bit different. Uh, We're actually going to release this as a bonus episode for you guys uh, with our weekly Monday episode to follow on Christmas Day. Uh, Chris, why don't you talk a little bit about what the rationale is? Why why are we doing this?
1: Uh, I thought initially that it would be uh, kind of fun to release a bonus episode for Christmas and... I figured if we're going to release a bonus episode for Christmas, maybe we'll do a Christmas-themed album. And uh, being that we're going to talk about Sabotage's Dead Winter Dead album uh, later this week, I thought it would make sense to talk about um, an album that came as a direct result of that release and sold a a hell of a lot more albums. And that would be Trans-Siberian Orchestra's uh, Christmas Eve and Other Stories, which came out a year after dead winter dead and i'm sure people probably put two and two together it's a pretty obvious choice as far as like a heavy metal hard rock podcast reviewing a christmas album um but i mean this is an album that um was certified three times platinum um for selling three million copies in the united states so and um it's the ninth best-selling Christmas holiday album in the U.S. um, as of November 2014 so it's a lot of the stuff that we've talked about so far you know kind is kind of uh, a little bit more uh, you know obscure I guess Um, whereas this is something that like the mainstream is very well aware of based on how many people attend their concerts every year and how many albums have sold and how often you'll hear Christmas Eve Sarajevo um, on the radio during the holidays. So um, I just thought it was really, um, you know, it's a good time to talk about it uh, being that it's, you know, the middle of December, it's almost Christmas. And uh, they had just did a live um, live stream concert on Friday of uh, a couple days ago, um being that they can't tour this year due to COVID-19 so that was really cool and I'll probably touch on that a bit but um yeah that was the the reasoning I feel like this w- this and next and the next episode will will be a good companion To each other.
0: um. Yeah, these two, I mean, for sure, these two albums really go hand in hand. And and if it wasn't for Dead Winter Dead, we wouldn't be talking about this today. I think that that's clear. Um, But we also, you know, a, a lot of people don't listen to Christmas music on the 26th of December. So we wanted to give everyone a chance to listen to this podcast and then have a chance to check out the album. If they haven't heard it, and certainly if you have, uh, you know, this is this is certainly the week to listen to it. So we thought it would be a nice segue. And then obviously we'll work our way back to Dead Winter Dead, which will be at least Christmas Day as our, as, as our normal uh, weekly podcast. And then we'll have something new for you next Monday as well. And then uh, the following week we'll do our Best of uh, 2020, which I think will be a, an interesting listen just to uh, kind of get a sense of what, what our favorite discs were um, this past year. And then we'll uh, look to the year ahead. But with that let's uh let's get into uh, let's get into Christmas Eve and other stories. Do you when was the first time that you actually heard this disc or even heard of Trans-Siberian Orchestra?
1: Um you know it's a little hazy because I want to say it was probably right around the same time I found out about sabotage and metal in general, but I had this album on a, on, a, on a cassette that my mom gave to me on Christmas uh, one year, I don't know if it was the year it came out, it might have been the year after nineteen ninety seven. Um but I can't remember if I had it before Dead Winter Dead or after Dead Winter Dead. It was very close to around the same time. But um that was that's my early memory of uh listening to it on a cassette tape. And um my my cousin my cousin Bill and I, he loved the instrumental track, so he would he would only play, like oh the O oh, come all ye faithful, Old oh, holy night medley, Mad Russians Christmas, and Christmas Eve Sarajevo. He would just play those three tracks repeatedly. Um, so yeah, that's my earliest memory. Um, I just can't put my finger on if I had heard this prior to Dead Winter Dead or or after.
0: Okay. What I can say for sure is that I definitely heard Dead Winter Dead before I heard this. So when I heard this album, to me, it was like a lost sabotage disc somewhere right after Dead Winter Dead. Um, I remember becoming a huge, huge, huge sabotage fan. Uh, prior to the release of The Wake of Magellan. Uh, Dead Winter Dead had come out uh, the year before this album, and then I heard this album, and I just became absolutely enamored with the band. And And I'm sure we'll get into that in a little more detail when we do the Dead Winter Dead episode. But I'll just say that to me, um, it is so apparent the the uh, what, what the band was doing here. Essentially, they come out with Dead Winter Dead, and then because of the success of Christmas Eve Sarajevo, they literally did an entire album based on that particular track. But what what really stuck out to me about Christmas Eve, the album was that you know you have certain traditional um, Christmas songs. You have the First Noel. You have uh, you know the, the the Mad Russians Christmas, which is obviously taken from the Nutcracker ballet. You know, just absolute. Um, you know, some of the most iconic uh Christmas tracks around. But then they intersperse these these other tracks, which we'll get into, obviously. But these other tracks are just, like, really just sabotage tracks, but without, you know, Zach Stevens singing or without John Oliva singing. It's just with, you know, more of a Broadway-esque uh, vocals on top of what's otherwise, you know, sabotage tracks. And that was the magic of this album, at least for me. Uh, you know, it's funny, I, I don't know anyone anyone that's not heard this album and been like, this is just great, great music, let alone Christmas music.
1: Right. And I think that the, um, just the the popularity of, of their live shows really shows, you know, you're talking about they're doing sometimes, you know, four shows per night with two, you know, with a West coast and an East coast touring band. And they're doing a, you know, a matinee show and a night show. And, um, and they're playing every day from, a little bit before Thanksgiving all the way through New, Year, the New Year's Day. And they're selling out, you know, arenas. And if you've ever been to one of these shows, you'll notice that, you know, you're going to see, you know, older people and children and, and like metal heads and not metal heads. And like, it just reaches such a broad audience. Um, it, it's, I agree with you that it does, it does feel kind of like a lost sabotage album. Um, it, the, the sound is, is very similar to what, what we'll talk about um in the next episode of Dead Winter Dead, which is like a very symphonic orchestral kind of power prog combo. Um but yeah, with more kind of classically trained vocalists. Um I remember thinking to myself when this came out, or when I first heard it, like, like why couldn't they use like John and Zach? You know, and, and I guess they were probably going for something that was gonna be a little bit more appealing to a mass market. So they went with like you said more of kind of like a Broadway style vocalist and all very good vocalists um in their own right but um this was just a John Oliva and Paul O'Neill like songwriting powerhouse you know taking the, the classic Christmas songs like you said and and interspersing like just some incredible original material set to this this story that um that they put together and and when they play this live, they have a, a narrator who really tells the story that you wouldn't really know unless you you read the liner notes, like what's going on in the story. If you just listen to the whole album, it's not super clear what's going on. But when you go see that live show and you have that that awesome uh, you know narrator who who tells the story with such passion, um, you really like get to see this whole story come to life. Of what a just a, a really like touching awesome uh story it, it it's really a christmas rock opera
0: 100% and i, and I think there's just one other uh, a piece to the to the to the puzzle here which is obviously uh you know paul o'neill and, and john Oliva uh, get much of the praise and, and rightfully so but i i think that the other piece of this is robert Kinkle, who was also uh, heavily featured, not only on the album, but also in terms of the songwriting. It, it, it really, I think, was a three-headed effort. And, and between the three of them, they came up with something uh, quite magical. And, and you mentioned the live show. Let's talk about that for a minute, and then we'll we'll get into the album itself. I remember first seeing them at a smaller theater here in New York City, the Beacon Theater. And, and when I say smaller, I just mean by comparison to what they're doing now The Beacon Theater holds about 3,000 people. And and, and at the time, this was shortly after the album had come out. Um, I'm not even sure that the album, that uh, TSO had come out with The Christmas Attic at that point. or Certainly, they hadn't come out with the third Christmas album, The Lost Christmas Eve, because we're talking about like the late 90s, early 2000s. And one of the cool things that they did was that after the show, um, you got to meet the entire band in the lobby of the venue, which was, you know, a kind of a nice little touch. And obviously they're not doing that now because they're playing in front of 20,000 people at each show or 15,000 people at each show. But I just, I, I remember thinking how uh, cool it was that after this, you know, rock opera where they played Christmas Eve and other stories and some other, um, some other tracks as well, you know, in, in the second set that they then would just meet the fans and they couldn't have been more gracious. And, you know, obviously I understand that that's part of, know part of what they do but i i I, that was really interesting to me because i had never seen that done before
1: yes i made a point i mean i've seen trans-siberian orchestra i want to say about 12 times um just about every year they've gone on tour i've gone to see them um missed a few for whatever reason they didn't come to my town or whatever but um that was something I always made a point to stick around for, whether I was by myself or, you know, I, I remember I took my mom to see Trans-Siberian Orchestra once and I insisted that she, you know, go meet the band afterwards. And, and she really enjoyed it. I'm sure that life. was the
0: highlight of uh, h- the highlight of her experience. Yeah.
1: Well, she, she actually had a great time. Um, she got hit on by Daryl Pettiford, uh, rest <laughs> in peace, which is a fun story I like to tell. But um, I remember, The second time I'd seen them and and the first few years they were touring, like you said, they were really playing like theaters. They weren't really playing arenas yet. You know um, it was, you know, more intimate show. And I was um, in college in Scranton and I saw them at um, a theater, I believe it was the Kirby, Kirby theater, Kirby center, something like that in Wilkes-Barre. And um, I got there early, took a cab from um, the campus and um, Jeff Plate and Chris Caffrey were just kind of hanging out in the lobby. I think this was before they were doing the, 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 um, the signings after each show, um, but they were just hanging out. I remember getting my ticket stub signed by uh, both Chris Caffrey and Jeff Plate. And I guess, you know, it should be mentioned that on this album, the lineup is pretty much the, the current day Sabotage lineup at that time. Minus the vocalist, but it was um, you know Chris Caffrey uh, and Al Petrelli on guitars, Jeff Plate on drums, and Johnny Lee Middleton on bass. So I mean, that
0: and that's who um, the touring band was as well. Um, Plus, they were only doing one show a night then, so they didn't have to split up the uh, split up the touring acts or bring in you know other singers, uh, you know your 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 Russell Allen, your Jeff Scott Sotos, etc., who all have toured and and continue to tour with the band,
1: right so uh yeah i mean i it's such a it's such a, a, a like just awesome concert experience whether you saw them in a small venue or now you see them where it's just like fireworks and and lasers and a light show and like you know cranes with the guitar the guitarist like doing guitar solos like up in the in the air uh, it's it's so it's just such a fun time it really to me like kind of um, kickstarts the holiday season for me every year is when I get to see them live and, and I definitely missed getting to see them this year but um, I was you know lucky enough to be able to at least watch the the live stream on the other night and they did play all this album start to finish that was the entire stream it was just uh, pretty much every song Every track on this album minus a couple, um, they played the whole thing and it was it was not quite the same, obviously, as going to a show, but it, it kind of filled that void a little bit. I'm not getting to see them.
0: Uh, and I think that part of the reason that this album, you know, gained such popularity is at the time in the late nineties, and, and even today, but I remember vividly watching them perform live on some major, major shows like Regis and Kathy Lee and Conan O'Brien and just other, you know, big named shows that everyone's heard or 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 is somewhat familiar with and then to see them with their christmas hats and the long hair and the guitars it was just uh it was an experience to say the least. And I'm sure that that didn't hurt because it helped expose them to the wider audience. You know, it's funny because you go to, you go to one of their shows and you have, I think you mentioned it earlier, the families that are there with the kids and the grandparents. And then you have the, you know, then you you always have the one guy who's, who's there in the sabotage shirt, who just goes nuts when they start playing stuff like believe and, and stuff like that. And it's always, it, it, there's always one in the crowd and I'm sure there's more than that, but you always have the one who just goes absolutely nuts uh, when they break out an old sabotage track,
1: oh yeah, without a doubt it's like I think every time I've seen them, i've just seen that one guy who like in between, you know, somebody's grandmother and like a guy in a business suit, you have um, this guy with long hair and and like a, a faded- Chris will leave his guitar on his shirt yeah.
0: and he's just going nuts. Yeah, and, right. and I might be that guy. I'm not gonna lie, but I, I always I always find that guy in the crowd. It's always you know he's the one that stands up when everyone's sitting down and just starts screaming at the top of his lungs and it's it's hysterical. But I think it also speaks to just how powerful um, sabotage is, you know, as, as an entity and 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 whatnot. What what struck me, I think, from the first time that I heard this album was just how moving um, some of these passages were. You know, it's it's it tells a very loose story that, like you said, without understanding or reading the liner notes, you probably would not be able to follow. But I, I kind of think of it as like a U curve, and by that I mean it starts out with an angel came down, which is you know such a beautiful, um, almost like an intro track. Uh, which kind of sets the story and and by the time you get to the middle of the album with Christmas Eve Sarajevo it's kind of depressing in a way because it starts making you think of dead winter dead and 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 what was going on um in Europe at the time but then by the but then slowly it begins to pick up with songs like Old City Bar which is one of the most beautiful ballads you'll ever hear and by the time you get back to an Angel Returned at the end of the album it just picks up and you're just so moved by the um you know, by the emotion of it all, and 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 I think that that's what the magic of the album is. The placement of the songs are just absolutely perfect uh, in terms of just the way that the mood carries you from the beginning to the end.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And the way that they, the way that they put it all together with the storyline, uh, and I do believe there is like a narrated version that's out there, um, similar to what Sabotage did with the Streets album. They did. Um, one with in between each track there, I guess that's the narration that they use for the live shows. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard it before, but I've seen the live show enough times to pretty much, you know, tell you the whole story. Um, but yeah, like it, it kind of, um, it just, it starts out with just, you know, uh, just some, some good old, you know, an angel came down kind of starts telling the story about how, um, you know, God gives the this angel a, a task. Um, and that there's this, this, this young girl who's separated from her family at Christmas time and it's the angels task to, to, you know, get her reunited with her father. And, um, and then, um, you know, you hear my, uh, personal favorite track and, and honestly it's my favorite Christmas song ever is the Oh, come all ye faithful, Oh, holy night instrumental medley that they do. Um, you know, if I put it on like with headphones on, like my whole body is just covered in goosebumps. It just I don't know if it's just because it takes me back to the first time I saw them live and how blown away I was. But that song is just, you know, that's just my all time favorite Christmas song. And it kind of goes through this whole thing, you know, telling the story of kind of going through the world like, you know, a mad Russian's Christmas is kind of like talking about like, you know, the a guy in. Rush shows listening to Christmas music, and then they use the track the original sabotage track of Christmas Eve to say that the angel flew over Sarajevo and saw you know the war going on um which that whole the story of Dead winter Dead, which we'll get into in the next episode. It's kind of just like a you know a small piece of that and and you're right, like that second half is kind of the the story of you know how the angel um makes this this bar this barkeep aware of this girl who's across the street who who's lost and, and um that's where old city bar comes in and then you know uh and then like the the final couple of tracks this christmas day and an angel return which is about you know how the girl finds her way home, and then you know the angel goes back to to heaven to report to God, like you know what he had accomplished, and it, it just really just uh, it's just this it's unbelievable like journey, like the, a great story, and that was something that I think Paul O'Neill really um, was so strong in doing is is taking the music and tying together like a really a really engaging story.
0: Yes, and and I and, and I think the magic of what O'Neill did was that and he's and, and he's sometimes credited, sometimes not, but he, and he did this on the Sabotage albums as well in the most simplistic way he's able to tell some of the most emotional stories possible. And by that, I mean, he's not using flowery language like I sometimes do. He's not using hyperbole. He's just using simple, simple words that when strung together, tell the most amazing story. And he did that on streets. He does it on Dead Winter Dead. He does that here. And and I think that it's his ability to tell a story in, in such a simplistic way with obviously phenomenal music and, you know, great, guitars and and obviously the electric violin that appears on a lot of these tracks it's it's that's where the magic comes in and i I had chills just listening to you tell the story even though i know what it is just because of how how awesome it is um you know i think i'd be remiss not to mention the ornament as well just because you want to talk about a vocal performance i would put that up against any song ever that's how good the vocal performance on ornament is yes i agree and 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 it's been so much
1: fun through the years, um, seeing them live so many times, seeing all the different vocalists that have come in to sing these these songs that have become, you know, to me like, you know, Christmas classics, and to hear uh, you know, different singers sing a song like Ornament, or to see zach Stevens sing Old City Bar, uh, which I saw last year, or or to see uh, you know, somebody like Russell Allen um sing, uh, good King joy, uh, which he just knocks out of the park. Um, it, it's, it's so cool. Like I've seen so many different vocalists. Um, I remember Daryl Pettiford who, um, sings on the Christmas attic album. Um, he was a mainstay, um, before he passed away and, I think it was in 2014, he passed away and, and he, his performances were always just so incredible to me. He was always such a highlight and he did good King joy. Um, pretty, he was pretty much the standard guy, at least on the East coast. Um, but they just find all these, um, these excellent, excellent vocalists, whether they get them from the metal world or the Broadway world or wherever or the pop world. I mean, they always just have these such great, great, vocalists and then just you know the guys from sabotage and whoever else that you know uh dave z may he rest in peace playing the bass guitar bill hudson had come in and done um guitar work for one of the one of the east coast tours um they just they get together such like excellent musicians and singers and 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 then the local uh orchestra that from each town to town they give they send the sheet music over and they have these guys come in and play and the local uh orchestra uh handles all the string parts and it's it just all comes together to just to this unbelievable sound and and it's just an incredible production the fact that they just go you know town to town and do a a show every night for you know pretty much like 60 days in a row or 45 days in a row whatever it is it's 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 an it's a, a very impressive undertaking
0: it is, and it's interesting because you know I look at the rest of the discography, and I look at the Christmas Attic and the Lost Christmas Eve, and then the two most recent albums, which aren't even really Christmas albums. You know, Night Castle and Letters from the Labyrinth, uh, not like the the, the trilogy anyway. I think, and I'm probably not in the minority here. This, to me, was their magnum opus. And and not that I don't enjoy the other albums. I think there's some really good songs on them. But this was a grand slam that they just hit out of the park. Even the bonus tracks, Oh Holy Night, and God rest ye, uh, ye merry gentlemen. Both of which were done, you know, in instrumental fashion with just like an acoustic guitar. It almost was a, a tribute to Chris Oliva in many regards, just the way that they composed those two tracks. Uh, and even though it's not part of the main story and it's not something that they usually play live, it's just a, a nice end to the album. And I, I just think it's like a, the the bow on on what's otherwise a perfect story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and those two acoustic tracks are typically used, uh, you know, as you're filing into the building, going to see them live, which, and they've been doing this since the beginning. That's uh, right. You'll hear That's that. Right. And, and then they sneak in silk and steel, which is a, a, a very similar acoustic track from uh, the gutter ballet album, which to this day, they still, I, I always laughed at that, that like, I always felt like in so many ways that they, they wanted to be like, we were sabotage like this this like we like you know we were this amazing band and and it took us recording a christmas song for you to realize um so you know that's kind of what that makes me me think of is just this kind of like the, them
0: just being like yeah like we were this good the whole time <laughs> exactly and, and it's it's almost you know in a in a way we laugh but in a way it's sad because as you say to yourself how can a song like christmas eve sarajevo get such uh mainstream press and and radio play during the holiday season but if you asked 99% of the audience or 99% of the fans have you even heard of uh dead winter dead or 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 gutter ballet or streets or anything else they would look at you like you were 12 heads it just it's 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 like it's almost like they they put on this mask and, 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 and because of the way it's presented, you know, with the Christmas and the family, family flavor to it, it's, it's widely accepted in the mainstream, but then you listen to, uh, you know, you listen to, to, to believe by Sabotage and nobody's ever heard it before. It's, it's, it's just the dichotomy is unbelievable to me.
1: Right. And it seems like every year they're trying, um, they try to sneak in a heavy Sabotage song. Um, last year they, uh, they did Handful of Rain, which was really cool because Zach Stevens was touring with the band. So he got to sing a song that he originally sang on the handful of rain album the year before they did a, a version of chance. Um, I've seen them do uh, back to a reason, which was from the poets and Madmen album. Um, they've made the, the prelude to madness, which is the instrumental intro to the hall of the mountain King song on the hall of the mountain King album has kind of become a staple of of the second half of their their sets where um they, they usually do like a story for for the first half and then the second half is just kind of like a hodgepodge of TSO songs and Christmas classics and, and you know a handful of sabotage tunes um and then like you know you get um like a special here and there you might get lucky and i remember seeing a video of jeff scott soto singing believe acoustic with the band which i believe was on a west coast show um i think i was with you we maybe not i can't remember i know i i saw them with you on long island once at the coliseum um but there was a time i saw them at the coliseum where um i believe it was um was it Keith Emerson from ELP? The keyboard player came yes. out, and yes. and they played Carnival Nine, which is like one of my all time favorite songs. So I was like freaking out, um, just like just kind of cool stuff like that. You never really know, um, like what could happen depending on who's there or what what's going on. They did a they did a cover of. Um, of Layla by Derek and the Dominoes, which I've seen a video of, which
0: was on Yeah, I was just about to say that 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 was one of the covers that stuck out to me, just because it was so unexpected. It obviously wasn't a Christmas song, and and it really had nothing tied to sabotage. It's just a classic, classic song, which you know, <laughs> other than Goodfellas, you know, it's just one of those songs that just you know it, it stays with you from the the first time you hear it. But it was great, and and, and in the middle of all this Christmas music, I just thought it was just a Great, great cover, and it's just something that every, you know most of the crowd obviously was familiar with because it's you know it's such a famous tune. But um, wh- what a, what a job they did! It's just uh, every year you you get to expect something new at the show, and I have not seen them nearly as many times as you have. But I just you know from following the band and and you know talking to, to different people in the band throughout throughout the last you know twenty five years at this point, it's just amazing how much they've evolved, and and you always get something special when you go see their shows. You know, I guess I'll ask you, and I I think I know what the answer is. What is, and and let me preface this by saying, you have to listen to the whole album straight through. So I'm hesitant to even have you pick a song of the week, but I I will. I will, but I I think that you'd be remiss not to listen to the entire thing this week before Christmas. But if you had to pick a song,
1: without a doubt, like every, there's not a, not a bad song i don't even think there's a mediocre song like it's it's just awesome start to finish i I did want to also mention that um there's a song called promises to keep which is in between old city bar and and this christmas day and Mm -hmm. on the album it's sung by a, a children's choir but live it's sung uh almost always by a a female vocalist and i believe on the the um the stream this year was sung by uh, Georgia Napolitano, I believe. Um, and they always find somebody who just has this unbelievable voice who just belts out this incredible version of the song. Um, sometimes when I actually listen to the album and I hear the children's choir, like I, I'm like, you know, I wish I was listening to the, the live version because it's, it's just, that's one of the songs I look forward to most when I see them live where, Whereas when I listen to the album, it, it you know I could take it or leave it compared to the, the rest of the tracks that I love so much, and you know, um, Old City Bar might be one of my all-time favorite ballads. Like it's the 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 content of the lyrics is so emotional. The song itself, the guitar works incredible. The singing is so good, like really great. Um, I I'd be remiss if I if I didn't say that I probably well up if not just straight out cry whenever i hear that song live because of just hearing it live that just it's just so it's just so emotional like i don't i think i get a little wispy at every trans-siberian orchestra show i've been to um but um yeah like i said earlier like oh come all ye faithful hold the holy night the instrumental medley it's my all-time favorite christmas song like not just from this album but ever um so that would definitely be my pick but in all honesty you know every song is great um like you mentioned ornament before that that's just a beautifully beautifully done also kind of like a a power ballad type um uh, uh, you know this christmas day which it, it, it kind of i feel like is kind of pairs with ornament like those are um, I believe it's the same vocalist on the album. It's typically sung by the same singer when they do the live show. Um, you know, both of those songs. I I mean I could I could pretty much I have a lot of great things to say about all the songs on this album. Um Good King Joy is a blast live too, just a, kind of a jazzy number, uh, you know, talking about it, snap
0: your fingers to it type yeah, of thing.
1: Yeah, like and it just tells like this this funny story about how this this guy um you know, was a jazz man and, and, but his grandfather or his father, I forgot, I think it was his grandfather was like there uh, at when the three Kings wandered the desert. And it's, it's just a fun story that they tell. And it's a really, really fun song uh live. Russell Allen really is such a great choice um to be the singer of that on their live shows. But yeah, getting back to your question. um I mean, you, uh, you, I I just, <laughs> even an angel came down. I just love
0: how it starts out. It just gets, it just sets the table for the whole album. I, I, I can't have you choose all 17. So no, I'm just kidding. It's, 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 let's put it this way. And I think this speaks to how good the album is. I, I am one of those people. I am not listening to Christmas music after Christmas. I'm, I'm ready to, uh, you know, kind of get back into the real world, so to speak. But this is an album that I'll, I'll pick up and I'll actually play in May or July, not because I'm looking forward to Christmas per se, but just because of how, awesome it is and it's a standalone album and it's obviously a christmas album but this is something that you can pick up any time of year and enjoy it um that's that's how that's how good it is for me i I, it's it's nearly perfect if not perfect and i would just say that for me if i had to pick a track i would pick an angel returned only because i think it just ties up the album so well it's it's such a good closing track to the story and i'm a sucker for albums where it's or not not just albums i'm a sucker for books uh, you know video games albums where it starts off and then it gets tied up at the end and it kind of goes full circle so to me something a track like that just really ties the whole thing together with the same you know keyboard melody to start the song and, and the same chorus and whatnot it's just uh, phenomenal so if, if i had to choose a track that would be it but i would certainly recommend listening to the rest of the album before you listen to it if that makes sense
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I just remember uh, after the first two albums were released, looking forward to their third album, you know, their first time making an album that wasn't going to be a Christmas-based album, and that ended up being Beethoven's Last Night, which I think got delayed a bunch of times, and and, um, I think it finally came out in 2000, and I I feel like that album really showed how strong the band was um, without using christmas as a crutch for you know uh the the uh the content or the story um yeah that, that i mean
0: and, and we should really do a deep dive into that one day that that alone sold 500,000 copies and was a gold album when, when you know the on the heels of the wake of the magellan which I don't have the figures in front of me, but it didn't sell 500,000 copies in the U.S. So it does kind of paint that contrast about how solidified they were at this point, but not having to rest on the Christmas crutch, if that makes sense.
1: Right. And, you know, there are two most recent albums that you mentioned earlier, are also not uh, Christmas themed. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, Paul O'Neill passed away in, in 2017, and they really haven't released any any new material since then. And I'm not sure what the plan is going forward, but I know that the band has been steadfast in continuing the live shows every year. And, and they have stated that, you know, that's what Paul would have wanted. And I truly believe that. And and I do actually want to just tell a quick story about um, getting to meet Paul O'Neill. I, um, that show that I saw in Scranton, Wilkesbury, barre um, you know, I, had to get a cab because I didn't have a car at the time and the cab was taking forever. And I was the, the the whole building was empty and I'm outside waiting to, for my cab to get there and who walks out, but Paul O'Neill. And I don't know the guy from a hole in the ground. And he introduces yeah. himself to me and he stood there for 15 to 20 minutes, just talking to me about, you know, his history, how he worked with, you know, Aerosmith and other bands in the past. And, you know, I got to talk to him about Sabotage and he couldn't have been a nicer guy. He was so gracious. Um, and so to me, like, that's how I'm always going to remember, you know, Paul O'Neill as this guy who not only gave us this incredible music, but just was so down to earth and so kind and, and really, really loved what he was doing and really appreciated the fans. And, um, you know i i wanted to, all I wanted to do was like go back to the hotel with him and and like sit at a bar and talk about music until five o'clock in the morning but uh you know I was probably like nineteen years old at the time and you know couldn't even
0: legally buy a drink so I, 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 You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually have a Paul O'Neill story myself um, that I want to share. I, I think it's better suited for Dead Winter Dead, but I'll just echo the sentiments about what a genuinely nice guy he is. And I've heard, uh, you know, rumors through the years of different tiffs in, 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 in sabotage. And, and, you know, it's something that I guess every band goes through at one time or another. But I, the guy could not have been... Nicer. Uh, Paul O'Neill was a, a gem. And I actually I was devastated when, when, when I found out that he had passed just because of, you know, again, how nice he was to me, uh, you know, the couple of times that I met him. And I'll save those stories for, for, for you know, the next episode. But yeah, I, I remember you telling me this story after you met him. And I'm just saying to myself, what a nice guy that, you know, he did not have to stop by and, and, and say hello. He did not have to wait with you. But I think it just speaks to how much he enjoyed giving joy to others. Uh, especially when it came to the music that he was, you know, credited in, with writing and producing and whatnot. Yep, and and you know, I'm just glad
1: that maybe there was some sort of closure for him being able to do that show that they did in Vaken, um where you know 80,000 people got to see this dual stage sabotage slash trans-siberian orchestra like i'm sure for him to to have been able to see that many people um lose their minds in the rain and the mud uh, watching and just from the limited amount of of footage that was pro shot and made available that i've gotten to watch it, it looked like one of the most incredible live scenes you know i've ever seen and it i when i go back and and watch clips from it, I get emotional. Like I really oh, do totally. hope that there's, and I'm sure we'll talk about sabotage. I mean, we'll definitely talk about sabotage a lot more in the next episode, but I just hope that I haven't seen them live for the last time.
0: Yeah. M- myself included. And you know, I mean, we, we had mentioned some of the other singers that uh, toured with them. I'd also be remiss not to mention Dino Jalusic uh, from animal drive. One of my favorite singers and, and, a, and not one of the biggest names that's out there, but the guy is a phenomenal, phenomenal singer. He appears on some of the Magnus Carlson discs. Um, he's just a fantastic, fantastic singer. And and he's touring with them. And I've, I've never got to see the West Coast um, tour, if you will. I, I That's something I actually have to see because I'm, I, you know, I'm spoiled here on the East Coast. But I'd like to see the West Coast just because, you know, different same songs, but just a different crew doing it. I think that would be really cool to see. Yeah,
1: it was really neat getting to see um, Jeff Scott Soto on the live stream the other night um, do some of the songs that, like, you know, I've never seen Jeff Scott Soto perform with Trans-Siberian Orchestra Live because he's a West Coaster. Um, So that was really neat getting to hear him, you know, do a couple of tracks. But, uh, you know, at the same token, I'm sure there's people on the West Coast that, you know, were like, you know, I didn't get to see Zach Stevens or, you know, Chris Caffrey, of, or, or, you Russell know. Allen. And, you know, yep. so, you know, you, you typically have Al Petrelli and John Middleton on the West Coast. And then you have Jeff Plate and Chris Caffrey on the East Coast. And, um, you know, I got to see Alex Skolnick play with them on the East Coast for a few years. He was um doing like regular tour duty with the band. Um, so, I mean, the, other than uh, Steve Wackles, I don't know if, if you were in Sabotage at some point in time, you probably were on stage with uh, Trans Siberian Orchestra.
0: A oh, 100% and and you know obviously the the, the tours do well so it, it it's nice to see them do so well considering that sabotage you know really isn't recording and and not playing live shows or touring themselves so it's it's good to see that they're doing well clearly you know just from from this alone because of the 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 reach that the band has um you know we could probably go on forever uh, just because of how much we love you know Trans-Siberian Orchestra and Sabotage but we'll we'll save some of it for the Dead Winter Dead episode on a scale of one to ten, and I'm I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say. Uh What do you rate this? Uh For me, this is
1: it's a nine point five. I, I don't know if I would give it like a a, a ten just because, you know, like I, like I said before, like I hear that that version of promises to keep, and it's just like, man, if this was just the the version that they do live, like it, it just. I don't know. I'm probably just nitpicking, but um, yeah, this is, I mean, as close to a perfect album as there could be. And it wouldn't be the holidays for me without listening to this at least once. But I mean, now that my parents enjoy it, like I know I'm going to hear it when I go to their house. And so, I mean, you know, and then I get to see it live. So, um, you know, chances are every, you know, I'll get to hear this album in some form or fashion at least three or four times every Every holiday season, so yeah, for me, I would say nine point five.
0: I I'm I'm right there with you. It's a nine point five for me as well. The only thing that keeps it from being a perfect album is just because it's Christmas themed. And I, I, which I guess that's not uh, it's not Trans Siberian Orchestra's fault. But you know, I normally I'm not looking for normally I'm not looking for Christmas music uh throughout the rest of the year. So it is more of a seasonal disc. Although I do dust it off once in a once in a while but for me it is a 9.5 and I'll, I'll go so far as to say it's the best christmas album that i've ever heard And 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 um there's been a lot of other good ones but this is this is this this set the bar and it set the bar really high and uh until something eclipses it this will always be my go-to christmas album although i have to say i really did like the new majestica but it's it's different it's different
1: yeah yeah i'm a, I, i'm i'm the same way i also I mean, the second and the third Christmas albums that that TSO put together are have some really really great tracks, like stuff that is you know um, I know wizards Wizards in Winter, which is from the uh, the third album, the Lost Christmas Eve, has become a real radio staple too. Probably the oh, yeah. second most played um, song on the on the radio. Um, I think stemming from the guy who set his Christmas lights to the song. I believe that's kind of where the popularity blew up for that. There's a ton of great songs on those albums too, but this one, you know, like you said, this is the apex of, of trans Siberian orchestra and really just, I'm so glad that we're going to talk about dead winter dead also this week, because I feel like these albums really do go hand in hand. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. And it just really, again, shines a spotlight on the brilliance of, of Paul O'Neill. And, 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 you know, like you mentioned, Bob Kinkle and John Oliva as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of great that we're going to talk about it. just the way that the timing worked out. It's it's
0: great that we'll get to talk about both. Uh, yeah, I, I I look forward to it. We'll get to that uh, and have that out to you Christmas Day and uh, we'll go from there. But I think that that wraps up TSO, at least for this year. And uh, maybe in the future, we'll do another one of their albums just to go into uh, more detail. But uh, with that, have a Merry Christmas and uh, I'll talk to you soon.
1: Yeah, right back at
0: you, pal. Take care.